Welcome to another mile post of the V-Twin Life. We talk motorcycles, power by those V-Twins, why we enjoy it, what they mean to us, and just why we enjoy the open road. V-Twin Life is brought to you by CrashInClothing.com, also known as Crash Inc. on the World Wide Web. Man, Brad has sold a lot of stuff. You want to get some merchandise, you want to get parts, you want to upgrade stuff on your bike. He is a dealer for a lot of great companies. So check out CrashInClothing.com and see what they got for you. Now, we got Wild Ass. You want to ask some comfort to your ass? Man, Wild Ass has got you covered. They've got something you like. Use that promo code DWOODS. Get yourself free shipping and put that ass in comfort. Can't forget Custom Dynamics leading the world in LED lighting and LED technology. Man, these got some great stuff. You want to light up your life at nighttime? You want to be seen during the day? Hey, check out Custom Dynamics. Can't forget Lexan. These guys got some great comm units. I just got the new G16s. Man, you want to talk quality? These things are awesome. Loudspeakers, plus they got some air pumps. Small ones you keep in your bike. They're ready to go. So check out Lexan. So now, let's get to another mile post of the V-Twin Life. Okay, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Mile Post 114. Tonight, we got Mr. Full Throttle Hog, Ryan Anderson, joining us. Going to share some stories, kind of how he got into motorcycling, his adventures, and guy's got an amazing youtube channel i gotta say around your your videos that you put out are phenomenal i really enjoy watching a lot of your your series that you do your recent one the 12 days behind bars and some of your documentary films are either yeah, they're great quality i thoroughly enjoy watching your channel oh thanks man i appreciate it and thanks for having me on the show yeah thanks for coming on taking time out of, out of your I'm sure you got quite the busy schedule so like i said this one we're pre-recording this because you're a busy guy and got a lot of things going on so Again, thanks for taking time out to kind of share some adventures and how you got into motorcycles. Yeah, you bet. So let's start kind of what I could do with everybody. So how'd you get into motorcycles? Where did it start for you? Oh, I would say the story goes that I was, I, I couldn't have been much more than anywhere between that 9 and 11 range. And my father and I were on an off-roading trip in uh, Ocotillo Wells, which is uh, uh, just a a desert area here in Southern California. And we passed by an area, pretty popular area for, you know, four wheel driving and things like that. And a lot of dirt bike motorcycles, and, you know, and they see people all, you know, chest plated out and they got their rigs and, um, you know, color matched on, on their dirt bikes. And of course, as a kid, I thought that was the coolest thing. And my father actually made the comment that, you know, on this, on this ride home from, our, our drive home from camping all weekend. He's like, one of these days, Ryan, we're going to get, we're going to get some motorcycles and we're going to, we're going to cross the country on, on some Harley Davidson's. Now I never forgot that. And every year I was an, a, anticipating or expecting under the Christmas tree, uh, a dirt bike with all the gear. And then if it didn't happen at Christmas, I, uh, I would, uh, think for my birthday, there was going to be something and it never happened one year. And I tell this story quite a bit, but one year he even made a joke and gave me uh, or gift wrapped a little Tonka toy dirt bike. Cause I told him in the previous years how disappointed I was. I didn't have a dirt bike. So that never happened. And then uh, I got a little older and in high school, uh, my buddy, Jake, he, he, um, he lived on a place with some property and I was up there and we'd go into his garage and, and his dad's in the garage. And there's two, uh, I want to say they were like YZ seventies, uh, in the garage. And I was like looking at him and I was like, man, these things are sweet. Jake says, we should go for a ride. His dad looks at me and says, well, Ryan, do you, do you know how to ride a motorcycle? And I didn't want to miss out on this opportunity. So I lied. I said, yeah, absolutely. So. I learned how to ride a motorcycle, no joke, by just staring at my buddy Jake and what he was doing with the bike. Uh, and we took off down the road, but the problem was I didn't know how to downshift. So that quickly became evident when we went to our first hill and the bike's bogging out. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm blaming the bike like, oh, this has never happened before. And uh, so I absolutely fell in love with the, the sensation. And then... I uh, got into sport bikes when I was younger, what like a lot of us did. Um, from there, uh, I was uh, in a group here in, in Southern California that uh, we started getting into stunt riding. 
And with that, it just was, I mean, motorcycles was day and day and night. Couldn't get me away from it. So that's how, that's how the motorcycling started for me. Nice. Slimmer, I remember my, my first one was an old, the old, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Yamaha MX-80. That's where I started the old black and white. I think it was like a late 70s, but there's nothing like the smell of a two-stroke, though. I still love them. That is the greatest smell. Yeah, we call it, we call it poo gas, but it was it smelled so oh, good. Oh, for sure. <laughs> That's one thing I miss about two-strokes back, you know, the old, back when I used to do hill climbing and did the motocross for a little while, just that smell, because you'll once you get it, like you never forget it. Yep. So the now kind of we can switch gears. I'll probably go back and forth because I'm weird and silly like that. What was your drive for your YouTube? Uh, so you know, continue on with that with that story. My buddies that and I that were were doing stunt riding at that particular time. I think there was 11, 11 ti titles for. Uh, street stunt writing videos, which meant there were 11 VHS slash DVDs available for, for people to purchase. And there was a lot more in the dirt bike life, um, uh, you know, with Brian Deegan and, and uh, the Krusty Demons guys and all that, uh, all those videos were out, but sport bikes yeah. and, and on the street, it just hasn't, it hadn't gone mainstream, not even close. So, uh, my buddies had told me, or, or I brought it up one time where we were all discussing, I don't remember how it came up, but we wanted to create, we wanted to create a title. We wanted to create an actual legit motorcycle stunt riding um, video. And my, you know, everybody's excited about it. There's, there was, you know, nine of us that, uh, that were originally in this group. And I brought up, how we're going to, you know, all put it together. And then it started getting into, well, you know, we need to find an editor. And I said, well, I'll do it. And of course, all my buddies laughed at me and, and I had no experience. So there's no greater motivation than when somebody tells you that you can't um, just to prove them wrong. And I went out and I bought the Adobe Premiere Pro uh, Bible, which was about this thick. This is pre-YouTube. So this <laughs> this is circa 2000. Um, 2001. Where you got to so, read books and not watch it. Right, exactly. So it, it's pre-YouTube, so I'm reading. I, I didn't buy Premiere Pro's program yet. I just bought the Premiere Pro Bible, and I would just go through it. Didn't understand a thing I was reading. Um, once I went through it, I purchased the first, um, my first copy of Adobe Premiere Pro. It was like $1,400 on floppy disk. Ooh. So... Um, we, I, I just started slowly putting stuff together and we'd be filming all the time. Actually to date, I still have every shot of every clip that I've ever filmed in my entire life. Um, and this goes all the way back to when I was, you know, stealing my dad's eight millimeter camcorder. I, I have every shot. Holy um, cow. So, uh, you know, I took some time off of, of riding when my oldest daughter uh, was born. And I was still do, you know, video, uh, you know, working in video production. And I thought, you know what, after a certain amount of time, I was missing something in my life. I, I got the, the Harley and then I, I, it just snapped one day to be like, what if I were to combine both of these passions of mine in, into something that, you know, is a hundred percent for me, I'm not making, um, you know, a, a stunt bike video for all of us, you know, just something that I can do for me because I really enjoy the video editing process. That is my place of, uh, of Zen. If you will, if, if I need to decompress, I want to sit in front of the computer and, and start creating something because I have no artistic ability. Um, I can't, uh, draw you anything, can't draw you a stick figure, nothing like that. But I've always been just drawn to being in the editing room and, and sitting down and just taking a whole bunch of, stuff that you shot and try to develop that story. So that's been, that's been my absolute passion and the, the stunt writing video, um, it ended up selling all over the world and it was, uh, you know, the United States, uh, Canada, Australia, Japan, Europe, I use everywhere. And 
you know, that was a, that was a good moment for me to be like, oh man, this was not only fun and enjoyable, but then I had an end product that other people were enjoying and you get to see, uh, the reactions of people that are watching this thing that you created out of pretty much your imagination, which is what, you know, the editing process is. Um, and so I thought, you know what, might as well just, uh, start a, a YouTube channel. I got way late in the game. I will tell you right now, I boycotted YouTube for the longest time because when YouTube launched, uh, my buddies were pushing me to like, Hey, there's this new thing called YouTube and you can throw all your videos up. I mean, I had 40 titles of different videos, uh, when YouTube launched, like ready to go, I could upload it at same day. Um, and I was like, there's no way ever that I'd be throwing up these videos, uh, for free. Well, what a, what an idiot I turned out to be. So I, I boycotted, <laughs> boycotted it for a long time and I got into the YouTube game really, really late. And, uh, but it's still been an enjoyable process. Oh, your quality of videos, like I said, is they're great. And so did you, you know, once you got into doing that, was your kind of background in filming or anything? So after, uh, my first stint in, in the 2000, 2001 creation of that, that video, I, I dove in head first to nothing but, um, uh, video production and video editing. I uh, didn't go to film school. It was all self-taught. Um, I, I worked closely with people that were uh, in the industry at the time. Uh, and I would just, I was just a sponge. And then I just, I just stayed with it. It was, abs it's an absolute, even to date, um, you know, I just love the getting in the editing room and start cranking out an edit. That's cool. I mean, you know, everybody, I guess, you know, has their, their little release, whether, you know, you have one of those days you go for a five or 10 mile ride, kind of just, you know, clear your head, get, get yourself in that right frame of mind. And, you know, whether you also enjoy doing that, like, it seems like you said, you know, your other place you can just clear yourself is get behind your screen and start creating videos and content. Yep. And with the YouTube and because it's something that I, I created it, uh, the channel for, for me to have that outlet, I don't have to answer to anybody. There's no, there's no, I'm my own worst critic. I always will be. And I do not have to answer to uh, somebody saying, oh, you need to re, you know, redo this, or this is the vision for this. I, I create my own vision and there's nobody to answer to. So that's, that's probably the best part. Got a very good point. I know it's like, there's some stuff I, I like to create, but it's like, I'm, I don't know if it's scared of the failure, you know, because, I think I've I've watched so many, you know, how to's and enjoy watching, you know, a lot of the stuff and would love to kind of, you know, showcase where I live, but it's like I in a way just afraid to take that first plunge and just try to show it off. It's like I got I mean, not nearly anywhere close to the amount of video you have, but it's like I got SD cards full of different places and I just kind of force myself just take the plunge and just start trying. It's like everybody says your first 30 aren't aren't gonna be the best and you start learning things and you'll you start progressing. But I just gotta force myself to take the plunge and just try it yeah and just in just in youtube and in any type of video production process uh the ongoing slogan is uh make a hundred bad videos that's that's really it, make a hundred bad films like you have to make a you know you said 30 which is a, is a good start but at least for me it was uh it was much more than that i had to make a hundred bad ones before um you know i really started you understand the the process so that when I'm out filming, I'm actually editing in my head at the time so that it saves me time in the editing room. Um, I see the, the shots, I hear the, uh, you know, either the tempo of the music I want to use. Um, and I'm just kind of editing it through in my mind. And then when I get back to the editing room, I just kind of put that all together. So, uh, it does take it does take a lot, but to enjoy making a hundred bad videos shouldn't discourage anybody from doing it because you should be enjoying that process. Because even to date, I've been using this program now for what are going to go twenty three years, and I probably only know about forty to sixty percent of what this program can actually do because it's always being updated. And the sky's the limit. Um, you know, if you can think about it chances are premier pro can do it you just have to to learn so 
you know, right. even to date, I'm trying to learn new techniques that I can introduce um, that don't feel like I'm not into like the video transitions. I don't use a lot of video transitions at all. I'm usually all about the hard cuts. So I stay away from from that type of stuff unless it's a really cool one that I can maybe, you know, really be careful of its placement. But if I can sneak it in there and it's a cool effect, sometimes that works. But when you have, you know, sometimes people use a transition for every single shot that they're cutting to. Um, and, you know, that's just never been my style. I'm always to kind of like the beat of the music. But with that, I'm just finding different things every single week. That's like, okay, what don't I, I know how to do? Or what have I seen in other videos or movies or films that I was like, hey, that was, that was a really good presentation. How can I learn how to do that? So it's, uh, it's all about being th a student of the game. Creativity. It's a good point. Like I said, I mean, yeah, and there's you know, hours upon hours of advice a guy could watch and, and study. I think I've, I've watched so many of them. I just got to take the next plunge. Yep. But I think that's, you know, the, the cool thing is, you know, like with a lot of the, you know, your videos, it's fun to be able to watch, you know, somebody put together videos like, hey, you know, I've always wanted to go to this place. Cool. You know, type in the search bar, you know, YouTube, you know, Montana, for instance, and hey, cool, you know, watch some videos and, you know, put together an idea of places you want to visit, put together that bucket list or, you know, plan a trip for next year. Say, hey, this is a cool area. I want to go here. And it, it's a lot of fun to be able to get an idea of what you got going on and to get into it. Yeah, man. So I guess we can kind of switch gears. So that was just at the forefront of my head. I was just curious about that. So I, how long did you do the sport bike before you decided that you were going to go to, you know, a, a different platform of riding? Um, all throughout, you know, when I was younger, um, you know, when I took my, my, so I guess to answer that question is probably six years of sport bike riding. And we went through a lot of sport bikes, like crashing, crashing was like a daily occurrence. Um, so, it, you know, as I, as I got older and you realize that your, your bones don't heal as fast and, and, uh, you're not as as flexible as you used to be. Uh, I knew I wanted to get back on two wheels. I didn't want to do any type of stunt riding anymore. Um, you know, my body just doesn't heal the same. So I wanted to be back on two wheels and just cruising and enjoying, you know, just that, that feeling of riding. And so I decided, okay, if I do it, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know, get some type of, uh, of, of cruiser or Harley Davidson only because of the nostalgia, because of the comment that my dad made years ago when we were camping, um, you know, I, I just wanted to, you know, find that, that perfect, um, you know, touring bike. And it wasn't until, so my mom, uh, passed away abruptly in 2019, uh, due to an aggressive cancer. And she was, she was very, very healthy woman. Um, you know, she takes the skin off chicken. Um, you know, she's really, really healthy. She loved to travel. Uh, Sorry and, to hear that. yeah, well it was, and it wasn't till her passing, you know, we hear it our entire lives, right. You know, that, you know, your life is short and, uh, you know, live in the now and, and all this other kind of stuff. And it wasn't until her passing that it really hit hard, um, for me. And I thought, there's no more putting off, you know, tomorrow, uh, to tomorrow. And I was like, I'm going to go out there. I sat down with, you know, my wife and said, look, I need this back in my life. And she agreed. I mean, we, my wife and I met on motorcycles, um, back in 2001. So she's been there. She was actually in my apartment, you know, every day when I was editing my first film and, uh, you know, this, this poor woman would just be, sitting there as I'm just editing away for hours upon hours. Um, so she knows how much the motorcycle life means to me. And I just said, okay, I, I want to find my absolute dream motorcycle. And I, I don't care about the cost. I just want to go get that. And I want to start traveling um, or at least start riding. And it wasn't, I didn't realize I was going to be doing as much traveling as I do, but I absolutely fell in love with it. Traveling by motorcycle, it's so much more personal and, 
intimate, I guess you could say, you know, the smells, the sights, you know, being able to smell, you know, a rainstorm, thunderstorms coming and there's just, there's nothing like it. It's, you know, it's really hard that I feel to explain to somebody that's never been on a motorcycle rides them the difference and get them to understand between traveling in a car and traveling by a motorcycle. Yeah, I agree. I've never, I've never been bored on a motorcycle road trip. Um, I've been more bored. I love, uh, road trips in general, but I've never been bored on a motorcycle and I have been bored in a car several times. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. So was the road glide the first Harley you got? It is. Yep. Nice. That's, that was the bike. I started looking in 2017. Then they were, uh, having their something issues and some other things with the new, you know, Milwaukee eight engines. Right. Waited till 2018. They were still having some issues with, with that, um that problem and some other things going on 2019 they, they about halfway through 2019 they i believe they it was like june if i'm not mistaken they had it all figured out on what was going on with that something issue and how to fix it and then finally in 2020 i i you know i was like all right and of course that whole transition of my mom passing in 2019 and 2020 i was like you know what i don't care if they have what issues they got i'm i'm Again, not going to be putting this off any longer. So warranty. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. My dad. That's what he did. He waited till middle of nineteen when he got his his uh, fuck what was third or his fourth road glide. Nice. And knock on wood, his has been great for him. Oh yeah, another. It's mine's been been absolutely awesome. So, what was your big drive? I mean, I know you talk about you enjoy traveling, so. You know, kind of how long did it take you to get a setup for your bike? You know, when it came to gear wise to figure out, you know, kind of what really works for you when for, you know, getting your gear and packing stuff up. Um, you know, for me, I'm I'm more concerned about the production gear I get to bring on the bike than my own comfort stuff. My first trip. So when I did a, my first iron butt, that's when I, I fell in love with distance riding. Um, and then, of course, my first trip you know, solo road trip. Um, I think it was out to, I think it was out to Oklahoma for, for stubborn. I think, yeah, had to have been stubborn. Um, I packed way too much stuff because I, I mean, my, everything was loaded down with my camera gear um, and everything for the production and extra jackets and things that I ended up not needing. So it was more about me taking away from my setup to make it as, uh, feasible as possible. You know, for example, this last trip, I, I had a single, uh, small Kemimoto bag on the back of my tour pack. And that was it for both me and my wife. However, the first time that I went out, it was like, my bike was Mary Poppins bike because I just had stuff piled <laughs> everywhere. And then I realized you just don't, you just don't use a lot of that stuff, right? You pack way too many clothes. You just yeah. don't, in theory, you're like, oh man, what happens if I really want to use this or, you know, I'm a big coffee drinker, huge coffee drinker. So, um, you know, I've got my traveling press that I bring with me and, um, you know, which is awesome, awesome to have. Um, would I survive without it? Yes. But, you know, that's one that's, you know, compacts pretty small, but there's so many different things that I'm like, man, I lugged this thing all halfway across the country. And maybe I used it once and it wasn't worth it. So um, and it doesn't matter what it is. It could have been like a, an extra chair, you know, a, a beefier jacket, you know, <laughs> it just, there was so many little things here and there that I was like, all right, let's ditch this. Let's ditch this. And now, I mean, I just kind of took away everything so I could travel as light as possible. I can imagine a lot of your production gear. I mean, you know, your cameras and whatnot can definitely also add weight. Yeah, quite a bit, quite a bit. Um, usually my, I mean, my saddlebags are, uh, are spoken for always. Um, and I would say three quarters of the trunk is typically spoken for, for just camera gear and equipment. Dang. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff. I mean, just for camera wise. Yep. Yep. And then you have your tripods and, and that was the other thing I would bring with me way too many tripods. Like, am I going to actually have the ability to set up four different camera angles for one particular shot no and but so i 
I ditched that down to one one tripod. <laughs> Didn't need three. Yeah, you always have that dream set up. Well, I could do this, this, and this, and then it comes down to it, it's like it's just way too much time and no way. Yep. So yeah, what are you using for cameras? Um, so for my cinema, my B-roll shots, my cinema camera is a, a Nikon Z6 Mark II. Um, I've been a huge fan of, of Nikon's uh, color technology. Um, and I, they were pretty much behind the times when it came to video for a long time. They were probably the last in the, in the, uh, the category to get into uh, good video quality. However, their Z series, their mirrorless cameras are absolutely phenomenal. Now they, now you have their color technology along with, um, you know, the mirrorless camera technology, their, their focusing, which is their biggest struggle for the longest time. And it's, it's not perfect, but it's definitely manageable. And then what I do with my B-roll shots, a lot of manual focus anyway. So my autofocus concerns are very small. Um, and because I had all this glass, uh, you know, lenses for the Nikon cameras, I didn't want to, you know, that's usually where all your money goes anyway. So uh, Nikon Z6 Mark II, I can't wait because I think any day now the Nikon Z6 Mark III uh, is coming out, which is going to be absolutely amazing. I mean, with that, with that camera, from what we know about it right now, I mean, it, it can, it'll match up with anything. I mean, you know, maybe like a Sony red camera is still going to beat it, but you're in order to do like documentaries that are going to be approved for like a Netflix or a uh, prime video, there's got to be so many quality ratings for you to, okay. to even qualify for that. And this camera, the night, the Mark three is going to, going to blow all of them out of the water. It'll be so far ahead. Um, so I can't wait to pick that up. Uh, and then I use, uh, I'm not done down to two GoPros. Uh, I used to always rock three GoPros. Um, but again, trying to just condense that, you know, smaller footprint to help streamline my stuff. So it's two GoPros and my, my Nikon. That's not bad. Yeah. And I got to get techie with some of the stuff and you know, got to keep, you know, Brian, the biker happy. He loves when you get techie with cameras and I don't understand a lot of, but he absolutely loves it. So got to keep oh, Brian yeah. happy. You got that right. <laughs> oh yeah. I like talking to Brian about camera gear and stuff like that. We can nerd out. Uh, quite a bit i'm trying to learn it but i mean yeah it's i understand some of it but yeah it's fun to learn and, and try to educate myself and, and just learn more absolutely yeah bry's a good guy i love talking to that dude he's freaking comical oh yeah yeah so which uh which gopros are you running um so i run a gopro 9 and a gopro 10 that's okay uh, i my gopro 9 has has not let me down at all. I actually prefer the color um, and the quality of my nine over my ten. So if I could, I I I, I would have gone back and got another nine instead of a ten. Um, the eleven didn't really do anything for me, and I know with the you know with the new twelve that's coming out, it's supposed to be even better. I'm waiting for night or a GoPro to get in the times and figure out how to use some type of LIDAR technology where you can have uh, use different apertures to your advantage so that it will look a little bit more high quality, you know, having the bokeh in the background, you know, slightly blurring out your background. So you have a focus on whatever you're trying to specifically shoot. Um, they have it in your iPhone. Uh, the iPhone 12 pro uh, has LIDAR technology and, and it looks like it's being sh shot on a, on a camera with like a 2.8 aperture, um, which is what your Hollywood movies are all shot at is 2.8. And some people, they're not into that whole cinematic style and look, right? They'll shoot 30 frames per second and they will just, yeah. they just want it like crisp and clean. And, um, you know, the whole point of shooting in a, uh, 24 frames per second is that, that motion blur that you get and things that you would see in, in, in a theater. Right. Right. So, um, I'm hoping that that happens with upcoming GoPros. I'm starting to flirt with an idea of using a 360 camera. Um, however, I don't like the multiple processes. I got enough processes going on, um, with my edits that introducing another process where I have to kind of find those shots, pick them out, then upload them, then use them. It just seems 
like it doesn't streamline. I like the idea of it. I do not like the fisheye look, which is probably my biggest drawback of using a 360 camera. Um, so that I'm still halfway flirting with that idea. Yeah, I got one as a gift for my birthday, the Insta360 X3, and it is pretty cool. It's still trying to learn even the editing part of it because it's putting all the points in, you know, because you got to edit through their app and whatnot and use, and use a lot of their, their program. But like I said, it's something else to learn, something to try, but you can get some pretty cool little features with them. They are neat. Yep, I agree. Now, I got to say, I know I was watching it was one of your late videos you just released. And I mean, I had the same problem going through Montana. You find these gas stations that all they have is like 87, 88. I know my bike only likes premium with, you know, the cams and whatnot that's in it. Do you ever think about carrying a bottle of uh, Octane Boost? Uh, yeah, but that's also opened up inside of my uh, my bag and leaked all over my camera gear. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm never, never going to do that again, you know, because it is, you know, an acid base. Uh, you know, liquid. So you're mm -hmm. going to, it's going to, it's going to eat through some stuff, especially with the heat, heat cycles and what have you. Um, yeah. It leaked all over. Uh, I ruined oh, a microphone. Um, so yeah, it, for the few times that I've ever run into that. And like I said, I'll just try to, I'll, I'll just power through the few mm -hmm. times I thought to myself, well, if it's at a gas station, I'll just walk in and buy octane boost right inside that gas station. And then, you know, use, uh, you know, whatever I need and give it to the next vehicle that, that pops up, right. They can use the rest of it. Um, but I don't want to ruin any more gear with an octane boost that I'll use maybe once a year. Yeah. I, I can see that you kind of get a, a bad experience, like piss on that idea. Yep. You know, it's like one thing I like, I carry with me is the, uh, oh damn lowbrow customs. I have one of their fuel reserve bottles. Mm -hmm. And I ran out of gas once, and then that was a fun ordeal in the middle of nowhere in eastern Oregon. Oof. Planning a trip, because I never went that way, going down to my brother's down in Kuna, Idaho. I'm like, well, I'm going to go this way, you know, getting on Google Maps. Okay, cool. There's a Chevron here. I'll stop here, gas. I can make it to Kuna, no problem. Getting close, you know, my gas light comes on and see the sign. The freaking gas station was still under construction. wasn't even built yet. According to Google Maps, it was open and all ready to go. And fuck, pulled in there. So I go, this, this isn't good. And got on the highway, made about two miles. And that was all she wrote. Yep. I've, I, I mean, I've come close. I mean, trying to rely on Harley's uh, GPS mapping will always let you down because they, that, that's just a terrible, terrible software. It just doesn't, it's always putting me at gas stations that maybe once were they they've not just been closed down you can you can see maybe the re, uh, resemblance of the floor of the gas station maybe the slab but like it's not oh. even like that there was I, it's been so long that grass is over is halfway Holy on that Jesus. slab but harley says it's a gas station so you're relying on that especially in the middle of nowhere and then you pull up and it's nothing and and so i've been close um but i, I there was one time in uh, the badlands that I got really close. I mean, I was, I was on low range for quite a bit of time where I was like, okay, we got to figure this out, but I uh, got lucky and, but yeah, running out of gas, always a big fear. Yeah. I actually, I did it twice this summer and both of them. It's like, I, I knew I was going to be really close, but I knew I hadn't, you know, the fuel reserve bottles, like when the, my wife and I, we were heading back from Sturgis and we decided to take a detour and go up through, kind of north central montana great falls and come up to the intersection there's you know this little tiny gas station the only thing they got is 87 i'm like ah, i ain't gonna work and you know i'm looking at my fuel gauge looking at my trip meter because i i got in the habit always reset one of my trip meters every time i get fuel well now that we got the small little trailer it's taking a little bit of the fuel range out you know my mileage i'm like well it's gonna be really close but you know i have the two fuel reserve bottles in the in the trailer i'm not worried about it getting closer almost to Hawthorne, Montana. And my gas had been on for like 20 miles around the corner. And I can see the gas station. I can see the exit where we got to head North to go up by great falls and bike shuts off. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. Fuck out of gas. I'll hit the kill switch. 
I get to the shoulder because there's a car behind me. My wife's like, what are you doing? Oh, we're out of gas. It's like, well, is your gas light on? Oh, it's, oh, it's been on for a while, babe. <laughs> and literally coasted. Oh, we must have coasted about 300 yards. Ended up like 20 feet from the gas pump. Perfect. And then, well, I did it again trying to push it down when I went to Irvine, California last month. Uh, meeting up with a buddy, Frank Orlando from Yakima. Meeting him in Weed, California. It's like 7 in the morning on Friday. And the long hill coming up there just killed it because I got to the exit and ran out of gas about one block before the gas station. I'm like, oh, well, I wasn't pushing the block. So, you know, dump in one of the fuel bottles and good to go. But I know it's a nice, cheap sense of security. Just one no, of those makes things sense. now that whenever I ride, it's like I I always got to take them with me just because I, if I don't, it's like, shit, something's going to happen. I'm going to try to push it too far or think, oh, I'll hit the next gas station when that's not always a good idea. Yeah, man. Agreed. Well, at least you, I mean, at least you were that close, but yeah. yeah. And that, been and, fortunate. And what do you, and what kind of bike do you have? I got a 2004 Road Glide. Okay. Little twin yeah. cam. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the, it's amazing how much you can get, you can push on the bike. And I've heard, I've never had to test the theory, but if you shut off the bike and let it sit for a second, and I guess it'll suck it, suck in more, more fuel as the bike shuts off, you can, you can finagle your way to get yourself a few more hundred yards by restarting the bike, going up coasting. That's what they say. I've never tried it. So I've never have either. I haven't heard that. Yeah. So now I just, I can, you know, the two little one liter fuel bottles is my reserve. So when I need them, they're in the saddlebag. And now it's just one of those things that habit. It's like, I have, I don't care if I'm taking off for a day ride. It's like, I just, you feel almost like naked whether, you know, it could be one of those scenarios. It's not me that needs gas. Maybe, you know, you pass somebody else and they're out somewhere. It's like, you know, if I, if I can help somebody else in that situation, well, here you go. I got it, man. Yeah. Hopefully it's enough and get you to the next gas station. No, that's a good, that's a good point. That's a, that's a good reason to bring one of those things. Um, yeah, I almost did that actually in Nebraska this past, this past trip for the 12 days. I almost ran into gas in Nebraska too. It's not a good feeling, right? It's when you know that you're getting no. close, you're like, Ooh, man, this could get rough. Yeah. And I, I had it a few times this year. Well, on that trip to Irvine, I pulled into Sutherland, Oregon. I got a five gallon tank and I took 4.975 gallons. Wow. I'm like, damn, that was close. Yep. So what's been one of your favorite trips you took this year, you know, or a favorite destination you got to go to? Um, the 12 days series was probably, uh, my favorite trip this year, just cause I got a chance to hit up a lot of different areas that I've never been before. Um, a lot of different roads, um, you know, doing low, low pass is highway 12 was, was the, was the best road of, of this year. It might be, it might be on my top list of best roads of all time. Um, you know, I can for, agree with that. It is just an amazing, you know, only because it stretches for so long that you're surrounded by beauty in these, uh, sweeping sweeper turns and you know there's a few tight areas where it gets a little technical but other than that it really is just going right next to that riverbank and it was a it was an awesome experience i mean i listen to music constantly in my helmet and Me too. i think for 260 miles or maybe 238 miles i didn't have music on once i was just enjoying enjoying that ride and there was nobody else on the road it was just it all lined up perfectly um that it was, it was a, I would do Lolo Pass again in a second. When did you go over it this year? Um, so I was there in July. Uh, July, I'd uh, see, I just left. Yeah, I want to say it was close to the end of July. Okay. Yeah. See, I went over it August 17th. That was for my Mile Monsters fun. Uh, fundraiser ride I put on. We call it Monsters Over Mountains, and we had some people come in from out of the area, so we threw Lolo Pass in there. And it's crazy. You can ride some of that river, and you're going up there, and all of a sudden you just see sandy beaches along there. And oh, and you yeah. got what is it? The uh, south end, the South Fork of the Clearwater, and I can't remember the river on the north side. I think I want to say it's the Bitterroot. That could be. Um, I can tell you exactly the day that I hit up. Uh, it was July 23rd. Oh, okay. 
So yeah, almost four weeks later, yeah, we, I went over it. It is a beautiful ride. And then you went all the way down through like uh, Chief Joseph, didn't you? Down to towards Enterprise, Oregon. Um. Yes. Yep. I I cut through. I mean, it had me cutting through a little bit of Washington and then into Oregon. Yeah, you um, kind of zigzag a couple corners where Washington, Oregon, Washington. Yeah. So, and it was, uh, you know, it was a, it, it just, man, it was an amazing ride. It was two back to back days of going from low, low pass all the way to, um, you know, that upper area off highway 101 and grabbing a place to stay and then taking 101 down and through the Avenue of giants the next day. It was just, it was a, it was a great, great experience. See, that's the one I want to do. It's 101 down through Northern California. I haven't been, I haven't hit that one yet. I was wanting to try it when I went to Irvine, but that was such a time press run to get down there for one of the monster boys birthdays that, I mean, I did 2,700 miles in 72 hours. So you were on the five. Yep. The whole time, <laughs> man, there's the worst, probably one of the worst experiences, dreadful experiences I've had of all the States I've traveled in has been in California on the five and right before. So from your direction coming down before the grapevine, there is 300 miles of dead straight highway road. And when I did it, it was 106 degrees and it's for 300 miles. You're miserable. Yep. Uh, And it just, it was terrible. You're so excited to see the grapevine and, and going up into a hill that, and cooler uh, temperatures. Oh, 100%. Yep. Cooler temperatures. Yeah, it was hot. Because I went yep. down there September, was the 16th. Left here on a Thursday night up in Port Angeles and uh, met up with another long-distance rider, Andrew Tooney. She had a friend that lived in Sutherland, so got there about midnight. Buddy Michael Nielsen, who's two wheels to survive, he was going down with me for Turbo's birthday. So we got like a four-and-a-half-hour nap and. Sutherland and then from Sutherland all the way down to Irvine on Friday. Yeah, that'll that'll take it out of you for sure. But yeah, going through that stretch, it was upper 90s, low hundreds, and we end up like taking some extra breaks even between gas stations just because it's so freaking hot. Pull off in the shade, you know, get some hydration, some fluids. Well, and give just, your bike a break too. Like you gotta keep yeah. that, that oil cool and and it's yeah, it's dreadful. Yeah. It's crazy. Like I said, though, once we hit the grapevine, they get up there, man, and it cooled off tremendously mm-hmm. from, you know, damn near triple digits down to high 70s, which I thought was great. Yep. Yep. And then I did that during my iron butt. Um, and it was great because, I mean, the grapevine gets extremely cold, too. I think we were going through there. There's no snow or anything like that, but it was uh, it was in the, the mid 20s. So with windshield, whatever that was, um, while you're riding, I mean, it, it almost froze. That was probably the closest to hypothermic I think I've ever gotten, um, Damn, was during that stretch. Cause I was, we had rain in the morning and my gloves were damp all day long. And then to go through that on the way back, it, it was, uh, it was brutal. Yeah. And yeah, you hit that temperature, especially on a motorcycle, you throw the windshield and that's just flat fucking cold. Yep. Yep, unsafe. Yeah, that was when September, well, yeah, last month we got to introduce to lane splitting because I was always one that thought it was stupid. No way, I'm not doing it. And that was quite the experience. And then it's like, now I'm all for it. I think it's a great idea. Well, yeah, because, I mean, if you don't, you're you're going to risk chance of overheating your bike. I mean, especially down here, our traffic is so terrible um, that you just have to. Yeah, you have to to lane split, or you you would have bikes down all over the place. And I, it took me a minute to figure out, it's like where we're sitting in traffic, you know, get close to LA, where it's just horrible, and like cars are kind of parting out of the way. And I'm looking at my mirrors, like, is there a cop or something coming? I'm looking because I'm not familiar with it. And buddy, Michael goes, "You ready?" I'm like, "Uh, okay." And it's like, "Shit, this ain't half bad." You know, he's cruising along fifteen twenty, and at least for me, that's what you know I was comfortable with, and got my education. It's like, shit, this ain't half bad. Yep. Then you get back up to Oregon, you know, we're going through Portland and it's like, fuck, I wish we could just hit the middle. Yep. Oh yeah. It trips me out too. When I travel, I always have to, you know, take a minute in each state that I go through, like is lane splitting allowed, right? Is it, is lane sharing allowed? Cause we have out here, we have, we have what's called lane sharing, 
So that's the reason that you can you can do that. You can actually share a lane with a vehicle if you're on a motorcycle. Um, other places have lane splitting only available when you're under 35 miles an hour of traffic. And there's got to be so many different parameters, but you got to research that um, because ultimately, like I said, you get a, a heat wave out here and you're stuck in, you know, there's certain places even here in San Diego to get through a six mile stretch will take you over an hour and a half because it'll just be it'll just be dead. Um, we have Highway 78 up here that is always jam-packed. doesn't matter what day of the week, what time of the day, there's always going to be traffic on it. Um, and it just keeps getting worse and worse. Yeah, because I'd like to do the end-to-end I-5 run from border to border. It's like a, it's like the only way I do it is start down there and start at like midnight just so you could get through that whole SoCal part. And then the rest of, you know, you got to deal with Seattle a little bit, but in Portland, but I think getting through there would be the best time. It's like, talk to a buddy of mine that called me about wanting to do it. It's like, he'd have to go down there and start. There's no way to do it the other way. Yeah. That'd be brutal to hit, uh, you know, central LA during rush hour traffic. Forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. I learned that one. Holy cow. I don't know if I could deal with that every day down there. So what, one thing, what's the, one of your favorite little add-ons or, you know, that you've done to your bike? Uh, so I've got, I've got the stage two on there, which helped, you know, wake up the bike, um, mm. I would say. And, you know, I'm, I'm really digging my, my T-bar setup coming from the sport bike realm. You know, I had ape hangers before and switching over the T-bar setup. I just feel like it's, uh, I mean, I, I love the twisties. I love to, to go through the twisties and I can throw that thing around and, and just, it helps me bring back that, that inner sport bike feeling. And then it, I can also go on, you know, longer road trips. Um, you know, the, the biggest bang for my buck was the suspension. That's where I, uh, between the suspension and the stage two, um, and the bars, I would say. Eh, yeah, suspension stage two. Um, I would say those are the ones where you just have you have instant feedback on what you were missing out on as soon as you get it, as soon as you put it on. Yeah. So, so you went with pro action in the front? Yep, uh, pro action all the way around. So, oh, okay. Um, yep, pro action. Uh, they, they started in the, and they still are, in the dirt bike realm. And if anybody knows anything about dirt bikes, you know, there's, one thing you need on dirt bikes is suspension. So they are, they are pros of what they do. And those guys are amazing. They're to Pennsylvania. Um, and originally I met them out in Sturgis in 2020. Uh, and it just, it's a, a really a superb product. When you look at it and you compare it, I mean, everybody's going to have their own and they're all, anything's going to be better than stock. And there's a lot of right. great suspension uh, companies out there. A lot of great ones. Um, and I've ridden bikes that for the most part, I think I've, I mean, I've been on bikes that were legends, uh, legend suspension, which was absolutely great. Um, Olin's, uh, you know, I, I haven't had any problem with anybody who's, who's upgraded their suspension. Um, for me looking at the, uh, the build and the spring and the shaft diameter of pro action, it's double the size of all the others so yeah i've got to see them firsthand well buddy brad that owns crash inc he's a pro action dealer and oh, he nice. i was down there for a weekend when we redid uh my front end put new forks and i went with progressive and he had three two road glides and a street glide he was putting pro action redoing the front end pulling the forks out and one of them they were doing putting the geezer trees in it bringing, you know, bring the front in a little bit more for handling, but yeah, he does a, so much, uh, proactive suspension, you know, watching him and looking at all the parts and looks like a good product. He yeah, loves I his, think. I know that's what he's running. Absolutely loves it. Yep. I've had zero problems, zero problems with, uh, with that suspension, but anything is better than, than stock. And there are, there's so many great companies out there. And I'd probably feel the same way if I went with a different company because it's that big of a difference. So that, no, I, I, and even like with mine going from, you know, the stock suspension to, you know, 
I really notice it more in the front, especially in cornering. Now, you know, it's a little bit stiffer. It grabs. You don't get the the front end dive, you know, kind of hit the front brake. Because for me going, you know, much like you start with dirt bikes and riding, I going with hill climbs, I mean, my bike was stretched, so I never had rear brake. So I'm in such a the habit of riding that I use my front brake 90% of the time, and I don't use the rear a lot. I mean, there's those times where, you know, you – use them but i've just got so used to all my years of riding of just having front brake that you know i use the front way more than i use the rear and really noticed the the change in the the front end and you know cornering coming into corners and it's just such a difference oh yeah yeah big difference now front brake has got all your stopping power anyway so um you know that's that's got the bigger uh bigger area i mean that that that's all your stopping power is your front brake now yeah should we all yeah. use both and, and appropriately yes but you know i hear what you're talking about yeah it's been it's been great i mean just you know getting out and riding for you know it's just something i enjoy and that's kind of why i want to do this was find people that have you know that same passion just really enjoy riding enjoy motorcycles and you know being part of that community oh it's you know hands down best community out there and i was you know an athlete and uh you know all the places that you think you would find a really solid community the motorcycle community beats them all so you got plans uh any big plans for next year any big trips you're gonna do uh nothing that's locked in a hundred percent just yet uh i i am you know dying to get out to the east coast because i've never done that uh the thought process right now is going to be to ship my bike out east uh, to Tennessee and then spend, I don't know, three weeks in Tennessee, uh, or starting in Tennessee and just taking in, taking on the East coast for about three weeks and then shipping my bike back, um, is probably, I've done the stretch of road from, you know, the farthest East I've gone on a motorcycle is, uh, Wisconsin and you know, it's, but I've done that route North, South, mid, from San Diego so many times that I thought, okay, let's, let's save some time, you know, a few days where if I ship the bike out, I can just fly in and Makes just sense. take advantage of it. I'd love to do the East coast. And I've talked about that with my dad, take off and, you know, go ride the East coast. It'd be awesome. It's something I, I definitely want to do sooner than later. Kind of like I said, you know, we're, none of us are getting any younger and, you know, you got to enjoy what you got today. Absolutely. And that's something I want to do soon i think just be awesome i'd love to go through the ozarks also and plus i've heard so much about the uh, catskills in new york you know in upstate new york and i gotta love to go through maine so something that's that's on my list to do soon oh yeah ozarks absolutely amazing all of that arkansas area um in parts of missouri i mean you that that was probably the biggest shocker of my traveling time is is going into these areas that i had a perception of what I thought I was going to experience. And then I experienced just absolute magic. And Arkansas is one of those places. Yeah. I've seen a lot of videos and it's one of those places I definitely want to hit up soon. I think it'd just be awesome. Yep. Plus the 48 and 10, that, that would be a fun challenge all on its own also, but yeah, who knows? Yeah. Well, that's, that's a, that's a good one. I don't, I don't know that that one is uh, that's brutal. It is. It'd definitely be a challenge. And yeah, you know, I've no, you know, got to be a friends with a, you know, a handful of people that, you know, within the long distance community since I started, you know, really doing a lot of stuff with mile monsters and met a lot of these crazy, you know, the Hoka Hay guys and your I, IBR rally guys. And see so many of those guys have done it in eight days. It's like, holy crap. Yeah, that's moving. That's, that's moving. I know you look at Setzer Pendant's already getting his bike all rigged up with extra oh, yeah. tanks and things like that. Um, that's that's a commitment for yeah, sure i mean talk to him thursday night thursday afternoon yeah he's getting yeah ready. he's getting he's got the bug yeah and i i love distance riding absolutely mm-hmm. and you know but that's i mean that 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 takes it to a whole nother ball game um yes, obviously my whole thing is filming and it already takes me twice as long to get somewhere right now that's what typically uh, a lot of these trips I do enjoy doing solo because I have to stop so much that I know that I would piss off whoever was with me 
because <laughs> of the amount of times that I have to stop and get get different shots because I'm not just filming for the the vlog videos that I'll be putting up, but I'm getting my footage for documentaries for the future. So there's there's two different avenues that I've got to shoot all the time when I'm riding. And, uh, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, dude, no, I just want to, you know, you know, hang out, see, see how you put these things together. And even when somebody seems like they're completely okay with it internally, I feel pressure. Um, even if they're like, oh no, take your time, do whatever. And then we go a mile down the street and I'm like, nope, got to stop here. And they're like, oh yeah, take your time. I feel internal pressure. Like I've got to hurry up. I've got to, you know, cause sometimes you're doing it in the heat and it's miserable, but you still got to get the shot. And I just internally, I feel bad and I feel like it affects my work. So that's, that's the reason for that. How much time do you take to just go ride and maybe, you know, not turn on a camera? Um, usually once or twice a week, I'll, uh, I'll, I'm just I'll make it, yeah, I'll make it a point either. And sometimes, uh, last year when I rode out to Sturgis, uh, I did the entire ride. I didn't pull the cam any camera out at all. Um, I just did that entire trip for me and, and, uh, I've been I've been pretty good to be able to separate the the it feeling like it's too much of of a hassle or it, you know I I I try to find that balance but during the week I go through probably two rides um sometimes you know usually in the morning time I'll uh I'll jam out we have a I mean I'm 18 minutes from several different twisty areas right and I'm an hour from some of the crazy twisty hours uh areas so um, I'll go out for a few hours, not film anything and just enjoy the ride or practice. I'm, I'm a big believer in practicing on your bike. So, um, I'll designate specific times to, to work on a different technique, uh, without filming anything. Uh, so that's good. But riding all the way out to Sturgis without turning the camera on once, man, that was, that was awesome. I just enjoyed, there was areas that, I, that looking back, I should have filmed, but I'm so glad that I didn't. But it's a catch-22 because I wish I had it on film because it was just that gorgeous and, and what I was feeling at the time. Uh, but I did that trip for me, and, and it keeps me balanced. Uh, that's kind of what I say. It's good to see, you know, you, you keep a balance in there, you know, to enjoy it also just for you. But, you know, I can understand, you know, with everything you got going on, you know, with what you do with your YouTube channel. But, no, it's, you know, cool to see. You know, for me, I like aspect that, you know, you also do take the time just to go enjoy it and, and just ride and just forget about everything for a little while. Yep. Yep. And then sometimes even with my wife, uh, she, she rides as well, but you know, she'll jump on the back and we'll, we'll go, you know, ride around and she's not a big uh, fan of being on camera, but, uh, so that, that helps me keep the, keep the camera away. Yeah. I think this year when, uh, my wife and I, we rode to Sturgis that that was the longest ride she'd ever done. And it really got her, I think more hooked into it, which was, super cool and you know we got back from sturges and we we're i think we we're only home like a day or so she's like hey would you ever ride down to joshua tree i'm like fuck yeah i would there fuck, you we could do that next summer heck yeah i would that'd be awesome come up through utah and just be fun i mean it, and it's really nice that you know you know with myself my wife that you know she's enjoying it more and you know we can get on the bike and just go until we want to stop Yep, of course she doesn't like doing it that way. Well, we need to make reservations. I said we can. I said, or we just ride when we feel like okay, let's find a place and get online. And it ain't hard to find a place, but she likes to plan a little bit more and and know that everything's locked in. I'm like, that's totally cool. We can do that too. Yeah, that's another advantage of riding by yourself is you can you stop when you want to stop. You know, some typically I like to stop between you know 100 and 150 miles somewhere in that that stretch i want to stop stretch my legs top off on gas um maybe get something to drink and when i'm you know after several days sometimes i'll push it i'll be like you know what I'll, i need to go 185 miles on this one and i don't have to worry about anybody else you know griping complaining or saying no nah, i don't want to do that or the you know different gas uh schedules or me griping and complaining because sometimes i'll go 70 miles or 50 miles i'll like all right i gotta stop stretch my legs um, and I don't have to worry about somebody being like, oh, you're holding me up. So 
this is different true. People. Yeah. No, that's kind of how it is every now and then when I go with my dad. It seems he's got to have his pee breaks a little more often now. I'm like, all right, whatever. Yep. I don't care. You know, just out enjoying the ride with those ones with my dad. Or now it's fun. Now my my older son, he's got a bike. So, you know, we take off riding. I, like next year, I signed up for Mile Monsters has the event, the Monster K going to Lebanon, Kansas, to the Geographical Center. I'd signed up for that. And then I woke up the next morning with a text from my son. Hey, dad, I signed up. I'm going with you. <laughs> Sweet. That's awesome. So, yeah, we're going to ride to Kansas next summer, so that would be cool. Very cool. So, well, shoot, Ryan, man, thank you for uh, for coming, hanging out, and, you know, sharing kind of your story and background how things got going for you, man. I, I greatly appreciate your time and and hanging out. Yeah, no, thanks for thanks for having me on. And you, anytime you get a chance to talk motorcycles, I'm usually all for it. <laughs> so. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's fun, you know, it's – such an easy common ground it's like my wife shows you can make friends and talk with anybody i'm like well you know when you see somebody it could be a t-shirt that resembles motorcycle you spark conversation next thing you know that you know it's like gas station fuel stops i've had those that end up being 20 minutes because you met some guy and start hearing stories and you make a new best friend and hear life adventures yep that's 100 percent correct well sir thank you very much and uh thanks everybody this is gonna course we recorded this a day before it's going to air but it's a lot of fun so hey thank you for hanging out and uh we will catch you guys all on mile post 115